many know that today is Pentecost Sunday? Amen. Pentecost Sunday. They were in the upper room. Jesus told them in Luke 24, go there, tarry, until you are endued with power from on high. And so they gathered together, 120 gathered together, and there they waited. And suddenly the Spirit of God began to move. And the Bible says that there was a mighty rushing wind, and the place where they were sitting was filled, amen, filled up. I'll tell you, it was the birthing of the church. The birthing of the church. You know, I've had to ask myself some questions. Why should I read my Bible? Well, we answered that. Then I thought, well, why should I pray? And we answered that. But oh, I've got one this morning that I want to ask us is why should I go to church? Go over to Matthew chapter 16, please. Verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. An amazing thing took place on that day of Pentecost. There was this quiet assurance of God's glory that invaded that room. The power of God visited a people and they were never the same. The Bible says they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance and many believe and many have defined Pentecost as an experience when you speak in tongues. But I believe Pentecost was the birthing of the modern church. It was the gathering together of the dynamic of the residence of God in the earth. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about what are the benefits of attending church on Sunday. Because on the heels of baptism, we read in Acts 2.47 that the people were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We find out that immediately this group of people began to meet in Acts 2.42 in one another's homes. They said, man, we've got to get together and do this again. Because this was so powerful in this upper room with the power of God was released and the Holy Ghost was manifest, we've got to do this again. So they began to meet together in homes. The Bible said they submitted to the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. In other words, they gathered together like we are this morning because they knew that this dynamic contained something that was greater than they had ever experienced before. Now, follow me for a minute because out of this gathering, there were men raised up. They were raised up like Stephen. Stephen came out of these fellowship churches, if you will. 
Philip came out of these fellowship churches that did great signs and wonders, miracles at their hands, preaching the gospel without fear, with great courage, with supernatural boldness. They came out of these gatherings because I believe the right church can help determine your destiny. At the same time, I believe the wrong church can steal it away from you. What's a right church? A right church is a church where they teach you about covenant. A right church is a place where they instruct you about the word of faith. Being able to operate into the anointing and the flow of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe and I'm persuaded after 34 years of ministry to stay away is to fall away. You stay out of church long enough and I'll tell you where you're going. You are going backwards. And I've witnessed it now for 34 years where people have had an encounter with God but suddenly they stay away from the corporate gathering and before you know it, They're no longer reading their Bible. They're no longer praying. They're no longer acknowledging God in their life. They find themselves involved with things of the world. They get involved in sin. Their life gets complex. It begins to deteriorate. There becomes fractures in the home and the marriage. Their children go wayward. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, to stay away is to fall away. But I want to ask the question today, why should I attend church? Because I think 90% of us here this morning aren't even sure why we come. Other than there's some good singing. Boy, I'll tell you, there was some good singing this morning. There's some good uh, fellowship. There's good friendships to enjoy. Praise God for that. Sometimes you can go to a church, there's even free coffee and free donuts. I mean, that's really great. I don't know if we have that here, but maybe we ought to. Some people come to church because it satisfies their own conscience about being good. But what does the Bible say about going to church? Why did they go to the upper room? Because Jesus said, go there. He said, I want you to go there together. I don't want you to go by yourself. I don't want you to go out under a tree somewhere. I don't want you to stay home and watch, you know, whoever on the television all by yourself and say you're having church. He didn't say that. He said, I want all of you together to go up in the upper room and there I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. The first thing that I believe happens when we go to church is impartation. Look at Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. I believe that even this morning as I'm preaching this Bible, that I'm declaring this word, the Holy Ghost is in this room. And those that are hearing this word, the Holy Spirit will fall on you. Because upon the preaching of the word, the Holy Spirit moves. And when the Holy Spirit moves, he falls upon those that are connected to the word. Because the word is the conduit of the pathway of the spirit into the life of a man and a woman. Ladies and gentlemen, there's something powerful about coming to church. When we're gathered together like this, we can fully expect that when the word starts to come forth, the Holy Spirit will follow that pathway and it will enlarge your heart. It will change your life just coming under the preaching of the word of God. While Peter yet spoke, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of them. 
Look at Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 2. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. Let me tell you something about a message, a sermon, an anointed word that comes forth. Not only will the Holy Spirit come upon you, but in Ezekiel chapter 2 and 2, when the word was spoken, the Holy Spirit went inside of him. And what did it do? It caused him to stand up on his feet. Because sometimes you come to church and you're crawling into your pew because you've been beaten and you've been smitten and you've been neglected and you've been hurt and you've been left alone and you've been betrayed. And so you come to the house of God and you can't hardly stand up. But when the word of God is spoken, the spirit of the Lord will not only come upon you, but it will come inside you and it will cause you to stand up on your feet. That's why sometime when you're preaching, people will get up in the middle of the sermon and they'll stand up and they'll say, Amen, preacher. Or they'll say, yeah, preach that word. Or they'll stand up and lift up their hands because they can't help themselves. The Spirit of God in them makes them stand up on their feet. Isn't that right, Jerry? Isn't that right, Jerry? Come on. Isn't that right? Come on, talk to me. Isn't that right? Amen. That's right. (laughs) I'm talking about you and I get an impartation. When we come into the house and we know what's in the house, when we come in the house and we are conscious of what's available in the house, we can have an impartation of the very Spirit of God that would come upon our life. And when when we leave this room, we will leave totally different than the way we came in. Isaiah 34 and 16. And while you're turning there, let me just say this. If you've come to the house today, present your heart as a tablet before the finger of God. He said in Jeremiah 31, I will describe my law, my word upon their hearts. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a tablet this morning, if you're not prepared to give your heart over to the Lord and say, God, I'm open and I'm revealed to you. I you I want you to speak to me. He can't write on it. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah 34 and 16, Search from the books of the Lord and read. Not one of these shall fail. Not one shall lack her mate. For my mouth has commanded it. And his spirit has gathered them. You know, I believe as the word is going forth this morning, so does the spirit and so does the power of God seeking to enter the life of those who are open and receptive to what the Spirit of God is saying. But not only that, it will become a gathering tool. The Holy Ghost, as the Word is spoken, and you're connected and your heart's prepared and presented as a tablet before the Lord, the Holy Ghost will begin to gather what's necessary to fix what's not working. He said, I'm going to gather, the Spirit of God will gather what's necessary. See, somebody in this room this morning, I'm believing with all authority on God's Word, is going to be healed, not by the laying on of hands, but by the Spirit of God that's going to enter you and cause you to rise up on your feet. I believe that marriages can be adjusted. I believe parents can improve their parenting skill just by being open and presenting their heart as a tablet before the Lord. I don't have to preach on parenting for you to go home and repent based on what you heard today that the Holy Ghost will begin to write on your heart that you've not been treating your daughter right. 
And see, on the way home, the Holy Ghost will so convict you that you'll have to change. You'll have to be gathered together to change your life. And suddenly now you start responding to the Spirit of God. I've witnessed this so many times. I'm preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, we're having a great time. I get done and somebody comes up and they'll say, Pastor, I thank God for that word today. I said, praise God. I'm so happy that you got blessed. They'll say, yeah, when you said this and you said that and you said this, I'm telling you, it changed my life. And I'll say, honey, I appreciate that, but I never said that. And I never said this. And I never said that. She goes, I don't know what you said, but I'm telling you, that's what I heard. And it literally changed my life. How many have ever had an experience when you come to the house of God, you're not really sure what the sermon was about, but by the time it was over, you got a word from the Lord about what you needed. See, that's why I have to go to church. That doesn't happen in your bedroom. That doesn't happen when you're driving in your car by yourself. There is a dynamic in the corporate gathering of God's people where the Spirit of God is released to enter into you and me and cause us to rise up on our feet. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching. As he was teaching, as he was preaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judah, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I believe the power of the Lord was present to heal them because the word of the Lord was being taught. When the word of the Lord is being taught, you can be healed anytime the teaching of the word of God in covenant form is being released. That's why you got to be careful what church you go to. Because you can go to a church that's not teaching and preaching out of a covenant word of faith basis and they're talking about some theological nonsense that makes no sense and uh, you're never going to get healed, you're never going to get delivered, you're not going to get a word from the Lord, you're not going to get your marriage fixed, you're not going to get your finances increased, you're not going to see your health improve. And you think, why? What's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, this is a church just like any other church. It's a good church just like any other church. Let me tell you something. Unless they're preaching the covenant of Jesus Christ to his people... Through the word of faith, that dynamic is missing. That's what we call Pentecost. It's not just about jumping and shouting. Although, let me tell you something. When you got fire set up in your bones, it's pretty hard to sit there. It's pretty hard not to get up and say glory to God and just dance around a little bit. At least, you know, like I used to say, if you can't do anything else, flex your kneecap. You're embarrassed about being emotional? You know, just, you know, flex your kneecap. You have long trousers on. Nobody will see. You'll be safe. You can still act like, you know, you're not too emotional. You got a long skirt on. That's good. Be careful if your skirt's too short. You know, it's an amazing thing how church has become a social gathering, a public assembly, with no dynamic. And it's not necessarily the preacher's fault. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. How to get myself off the hook, man. I don't believe that until you and I become conscious of where you are, you will never receive the benefits from where you are. You and I have to become conscious of what's here. 
You know, oftentimes we try to control children. We'll say, hey, this is God's house. Stop running. Or, hey, you guys, you know, quit being, you know, so uh, non-reverent here. Come on, come on. This is God's house. And we try to control it so that people will have more reverence for the house of the Lord. Now, some denominations do that. From the time the children are little, they'll teach them respect for the house of God. They'll teach them how to revere various aspects of the service. How to submit themselves even before they sit down, they bow. But you know, that is not necessarily reverence for the house. That's just respect for the rules. And I don't want to become a church that all we do is have a bunch of rules... What we make our kids have a respect for. I want them to grow up and understand the dynamic of the power of the Holy Spirit that is in a place when we gather together. Two or three agree, touching anything. And when we are together, he's in the midst. Let me tell you something. The Pentecostal experience hasn't hasn't ceased. In the upper room. It didn't cease back in the 30s or 1904 in Zusa Street. It didn't cease when the Assembly God, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, whatever of them, gathered together and say, we're going to be a denomination that believes in the Holy Ghost. And many of those who said they believe in the power of the Holy Ghost have already invited the Holy Ghost to leave. And I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about the dynamic of what we believe, what we adhere to, what we know is true. See, as I'm speaking in here this morning, revelation is coming into your mind. And you're going, you know what? I've got to start looking at church differently. Because Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. As we preach this gospel, the power of God is released. So church, that's why we ought to be excited to come to church. I'm going to get an impartation today of the power of God. The power of God is going to make an entrance into my life. The power of God is going to raise me up off my knees and put me back up on my feet. Come on, church. You see, we've got to start getting excited about going to the house of the Lord instead of rubbing our eyes, trying to find our shoes, and determining on our way to the door, oh, forget it, we'll go next week. We get talked out of a dynamic experience because we aren't persuaded that there's something of substance here besides good music, good talking, good fellowship, and good donuts. (laughs) Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I believe that you can come to church and you can leave a more courageous woman. You can leave a more courageous man. Because I believe in this this gathering there is boldness. The Holy Spirit will impart boldness to the church. And boldness isn't just to be some radical, uh, you know, non-relatable person in this generation that we're so spiritual, we're no earthly good. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the boldness to believe God in the midst of adversaries and hostile environment. I've got boldness to believe God in spite of what the doctor just told me. 
See, it's that kind of boldness that we're talking about. And it's available at your local church this Sunday. You know, I just haven't seen a lot of marketing when it comes to mega churches. We're the most friendly church. We're the most loving church. We've got the greatest music. We've got the greatest this and the greatest that. But who, who, who advertises you can have some boldness if you come to church this Sunday? You can have an entrance of the Holy Spirit into your life this week. You can get up off your knees and back up on your feet. Join us 11 o'clock this Sunday morning. They wouldn't know what you're talking about. But that's the reality of why we ought to go to church. Secondly, not only impartation, there ought to be understanding. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22 says this, but you have come to Mount Zion. Everybody say Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. What is it? It's the city of the living God. That means he lives there. That means he dwells there. Watch out now. Who's Mount Zion? Who is Zion? We are Zion. The church is Zion. The Bible says that Zion is the city of a living God. Not a dead God. Not a statuesque God. Not a God on your earrings. Not a God around your neck on your medallions. He is a living God. It's the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable company of angels. Stay with me. Don't get offended. To the general assembly in the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. To the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. Think about it with me. The city of the living God. In other words, it's the habitation of Jehovah where he chose to put his name. It's an interesting thought to get your kids ready for church on Sunday morning and say, hey, we're going to church today and we're going to visit with God, Elohim, the one that created heaven and earth because the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he is in the midst of Zion. Kids are going to come in and go, okay, now where's he at? Where's he at? Where's he at? They want to know, man. You tell them he's there. They want to know. They want to meet him. And then you could point to the victories. You could point to that couple. You could see, see that couple over there? Sweetheart, see that couple over there? Your little nine-year-old daughter. See that couple right there? See, see, that couple was on the brink of divorce, but they came into the church, got a word. The Spirit of God got into their heart, and suddenly they reconciled. They reconciled. God, God's Spirit put it back together. He gathered everything that they needed under the corporate anointing, and suddenly now they're back together again. You see, that's God. We've got to teach our children how to identify God. God is not on a cross. God is not in some, some, some observance of communion necessarily. God is not just, just in a song. It, it could be, but not necessarily in the song of those things that we have come to know as church. You see that little man over there, son? You see him back there? Yeah, he was a heroin addict for 25 years. And now he is completely delivered. He is set free. He has got reconciliation back with his family. He is, he, is, he is a productive citizen. Son, I just want you to know, that's God. Because it's the heavenly Jerusalem. It is the city of the living God. Why do I go to church? 
because I want to go where God is. Until you become where, a conscious of where you are, you can never get the best of it. Do we know where we are? You see, the heavenly Jerusalem talks about a place that establishes you and me in our heavenly status. You follow what I'm saying? You see, I am now seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is a heavenly Jerusalem. When I enter in here, it identifies me in a position that is above all principality and power. It also identifies me in a situation, in a position where I'm seated with Christ, meaning that I have now been given all authority. My goodness, when I go to church, I get empowered. I begin to feel authoritative. I begin to understand that I am the head and not the tail. I begin to understand that I can break through and not down. God is here. How can I not win? It's a heavenly Jerusalem. Do you follow what I'm saying? Why do we go to church? Because it's a heavenly Jerusalem. And I like this. People often say, well, who's coming to your church? I'll have pastors say to me, well, you know, so, so-and-so from the Cleveland Browns is now attending my church. And I'll say, ooh, wow, really? Yeah, he's, he comes in a separate entrance and sits in the VIP section. I'm going, ooh, wow, really? And we get so excited when we get celebrities. You know, I remember being in a church in California. Pat Boone and Debbie Boone and all the Boone family attended this church. And, and uh, we were in church and they came in through a separate entrance and sat down. And we were all looking at him going, hey, that's Pat Boone, man. Said, see if he's got his white shoes on. <laughs> And I was recently with a group of pastors who were talking about how they got certain businessmen from a large corporation in Cleveland now attending their church. This is, the, this is the CEO of a recognizable company, if I were to tell you which it is here in Cleveland. And he's attending his church and he was just walking around. He was so excited. He was kind of bragging about it as if to say, who comes to your church? And I'm trying to think. I said, I don't have any Cleveland Browns. I don't have any Cavaliers. I don't have any Indians. I don't have any... Hmm. Who do I have coming to my church? Hmm. Let me think who... Let me think. Let me think for a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm coming up with something. I'm coming up with something. Hold on. I'm coming up with something. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Hmm. Witnesses, can I get a witness? Somebody's giving me a witness. You see, who is attending your church? He said it's a place where just men are made perfect. I don't know about you, but you may not understand this, but I believe Joshua is here. I believe Gideon is here. I believe Jeremiah is here. I believe Abraham is here. Paul, the great apostle, is here. Peter is here. James is here. All of the powerful saints from gone by are here in the presence of the people just made made perfect say who attends your church Abraham Isaac oh yeah who do you got oh yeah he's not playing anymore is he oh that's right yeah they got traded oh well too bad Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. 
to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. You and I need to get understanding that this place is called the city of the living God. You and I need to understand that when we come to the house of God, we are coming to the heavenly Jerusalem where heavenly authority is released. We need to understand that we're going to church with some of the most powerful Christians. The most powerful men and women who have ever served the living God are here this morning. (laughs) And if I could see him, I think while Melody was singing that song, if I could see him, I bet you Peter jumped up and said, hey, that was just like on the day of Pentecost. You sing, girl. You sing, girl. That's exactly what happened. The Holy Ghost fell. Yeah, fired up bones. That's what happened. That's what Peter would have said. Some pastors are excited when the mayor shows up. A dignitary shows up, senator. Notable personality. And yet we've not taught our people or the church or the children of the great cloud of witnesses. Just men made perfect. But what about the sprinkling thing? I believe there is a spiritual sprinkling in Zion. In other words, there is a blood mist in this room. And when you come in it, sin burns. Get out of this church. See, I don't believe you can go to church, not a real church, and sin stick. That's why the songwriter said, Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? You say, well, you know what? I'm not going to wash in the blood. That's disgusting. Well, you don't have to. You ever go to Phoenix, Arizona, in the middle of summer? And you walk into the, on the sidewalks in the shops and stuff, and they have these little spray mists everywhere. And they cool you off. Have you ever seen those? If you haven't, it's a gas. You ought to do it. All of us from the Midwest who are scorching in that heat are standing in front of them going, <laughs> Picture with me in your mind, if you will, all over this sanctuary this morning is the midst of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, that is being poured out upon this place, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. That's why some people say, you know, I ain't coming back to this church. This church, this is not for me. I don't like to be preached. It's too loud. It's too long. I don't like the kind of music they do. And the people are friendly there. And I mean, there's just too many white people, too many black people. And I I can't do this, man. I got to go somewhere else. See, the problem is you got in that mist of the blood of the Lamb. And you burning inside, aren't you? You burning. There's some of you in here right now burning, burning. You're mad. You're angry. You're burning. I know you. You you've seen them too. I've I've watched them. You know, the vampire movies. You've seen them. Ah! 
See, when you preach the blood, when you preach the cross, darkness cannot stand in the sight of the light of Jesus Christ. See, there'll be some folk in church sleeping around, stealing money, and they're doing it for 25 years. I think their valves for the midst of the blood is plugged. I don't think you can go to a house of God where the sprinkling of the blood is happening and keep on having sex with her. <laughs> so why do I go to church? Well, I like the collars there. It's nice collars. And it's not too long, you know. We kind of come in and it's just really nice. It got nice singing and nice little homily and just a nice people. And they give you a free gift if you're a visitor. See, I got a coffee mug. I got a pen. I got a free CD of the pastor's sermon. What are the benefits of going to church? Let me give you four of them and I'm out of here. Because I got to go to church again. <laughs> Obadiah, 17 says this, but on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Man, I am pumped this morning. I'm going to church. Why? Because there's deliverance in the house of God. Why else are you going to church? Well, let me look at it again. Whoo, there's holiness there. And why else? Ooh, look at here. I'm going to possess my possessions. Does that mean if that you can possess your possessions in Mount Zion, you can get holiness in Mount Zion, and you can get deliverance in Mount Zion? That means by staying home, by staying home, by sleeping during the pastor's sermon, I caught a gentleman one time reading a book while I was preaching. But he was slick. He had it inside of his Bible. <laughs> had one lady getting a manicure. Giving herself, no, she wasn't giving herself a manicure. She was giving the lady next to her the manicure. We fed children Cheerios. We mixed chocolate milk in the pew. We've done just about everything we could possibly do. But my question is this. Are you possessing your possessions? Are you living a life of holiness? Are you, have you been delivered? 
It's the benefit of going to the house of God. I believe submitting to what you hear will produce change. It's a place of cleansing. Zion doesn't permit sin to stick. You hear the word this morning and you're going to have to go home and apologize. Secondly, it's a place of illumination. Psalm 73 and 17 says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood. First Timothy tells us that God dwells in light. And since Zion is the city of God, then the illumination must be in Zion. If God is light, and illumination is light, and God is in Zion, then illumination comes when you come to church. I believe you can get revelation when you're at home reading your Bible. Ah, but there's some powerful illumination that comes when we are together corporately. There's greater insight in no other place. And darkness cannot overcome the light. Number three, it's a place of growth. Psalm 92, 12 to 14, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. It shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. It's a place of growth, church. Acts 19 and 20 says, When the word was preached, the church began to grow and it began to prosper and it began to prevail. There is a prevailing power in church. It's the most fruitful fruitful place on the planet. Everything blossoms that's planted there. Here's the problem. Stay where you're planted. We don't understand this. We, on any whim will move about to fulfill a void or desire in our own heart. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? It's absolutely wrong. That's why there's no fruit in your life. Because you can't produce fruit until the root takes hold of the soil and you begin to blossom. Here's a revelation for you. Zion is the Father's house, not yours. Oh, here's another one. You ready? And Jesus has been put in charge, not you. I've been to some churches, man, and I'm telling you, if God was in charge, you'd never know it. You got the board of deacons, got the board of elders, you got the board of this and the board of that and the board of this and the board of that. And they are dictating, telling you they're going to put put, up policy, they're going to restrict, they're going to restrain, they're going to hold back, they're going to keep everything under their control. That's the way we do it here. 
It's the way we've always done it. It's the way we'll always will do it. There has got to be everything done decently and in order. The order comes from us. We're in charge. I got news for you, Bubba. God's in charge and Jesus is the Lord of the house. Some people come to church and all they want to do is look for what's wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Is there anything wrong here? What's wrong? I think I found something that's wrong. Ha ha! I found it! I found something that's wrong! Well, you could have just asked me. I could have told you. We've got lots of stuff wrong. You mean it's not a perfect church? I thought this was a perfect church. It was, until you showed up. You messed us up. Go away. My last point, Tom, you'll like this one. Pam, you'll like this one. You know, for years I've often wondered, who came up with the idea Church service at 11 a.m. Why do we call it a service? Why not call it a meeting? Why not call it a gathering? Why not calling it a party? I mean, let's call it something besides a service. And then the Lord showed me something this week. He said, I don't care how expensive your car is and how much money you paid for it, eventually you're going to have to go see Tom. <laughs> now, if you don't know, Tom and Pam operate Certified Auto where they service your automobile. Because if you don't get regular routine service, your car will betray you. And you will get so angry after putting all that money into it and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. So I got revelation. It's a church servicing it's the called out ones who have been saved getting a tune up you follow me it's a place where you are fine tuned and fuel efficient it's a development center that's why we're here and sometimes we have to put a lot of leverage on that tight nut <laughs> but we'll get it. Sometime we come in here and we defy the mechanics of the, of the Holy Spirit. We've been neglected for so long, we're so rusted, we're bound up. We try to put a little 1040 Holy Ghost oil on you, doesn't work. We get out the old sledgehammer if all else fails. Get the sledgehammer out, beat it till it moves. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord had commanded the blessing. There the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Some people miss church as if it's no big deal. And you know what? You're going to run for a while. 
You don't get that 3,000-mile checkup, you're going to run for a while. You miss the 8,000-mile checkup, you're going to run for a while. But eventually, it's going to catch up with you. And when it does, you're going to need a complete overhaul. And the cost may be more than what you're able to pay. Just changing oil on a regular, frequent basis is a positive thing for your engine. Don't add oil when it's needed, and that's not good. My daughter Rebecca didn't add oil as needed. Her little track, tractor, track, track, tracker, tracker. Remember those trackers? He said, Dad, the car won't start. So what's wrong? I don't know, it won't start. <laughs> the engine froze. I said, you put any oil in it like I told you? Uh, no. <laughs> well, did you see the light? The light, you know, the light that comes on that says, I need oil. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, I saw it, but I, I didn't really have time. <laughs> and some of you, your dashboard of your life is blinking like crazy. And it says, maintenance required. And you're looking for a way to shut it off and keep all of them dry. Hebrews 10, 25, and I close with this, I promise. And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Make a commitment not to miss church. Why? Because it's a place of impartation. It's a place of understanding. And it's got benefits of cleansing, illumination, growth, and service. And I trust you along with me today will thank God for your local church. I'm thankful for my local church. I'm thankful because I believe it's the greatest organization on the face of the earth. It's where God chose to put his name. That's, my friend, what I believe Pentecost is all about. Pastor Troy, why don't you join me up here? And uh, pray for the people. We're heading out to the east location. Pray for us as we travel. Now I've been doing this over a year and a half. and It's lots of fun. I get to go to Mount Zion again. And you and all and I get to come Thursday night. Oh, Thursday night? I don't need that much servicing. <laughs> Why don't you try it? I'll get you out by 8.30. You can still go have ice cream. Pretend like you're watching the calves. It'll be great. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Yeah. All the time, God is good. Why don't you just lift a hand up to the Lord and thank him this morning for his goodness. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. Thank you for your oil this morning, Lord. Oil for those who need it today. Your oil is available right here, right now. So we thank you. For those of us with our hands lifted right now, <laughs> you say, I need oil. 
I need maintenance this morning, Jesus. Come fill me up. I need it. I so need it. I needed to hear this this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Touch and heal. Make life once again all over this room. If you need forgiveness of sin, it's okay. It's available this morning. If you're not born again, it's okay. You can be right now. It's very simple. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Come on. Let them know, I need you, Jesus. I've been trying to do this alone. I've been, I've been driving now for miles and miles and miles of my life. It's been hard on me. I've been driving and driving and running. I realize I need you so, man, so much. I'm ready now to give my life to you. I'm ready now to let, let it all just fall into your hands. I give it to you. Just ask him. Come on, right there where you are, just ask him. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. I've got sin. I've, I've sinned. There's nothing wrong with it. Jesus is the remedy for it. I've sinned. Forgive me this morning. I'm backslidden, you might say. I've walked away from you. I've been running from you. Forgive me. Forgive me this morning, Jesus. I love you, and I want to serve you. If you stand with me this morning, church, altar ministers, if you make your way forward. Come on, altar ministers all over here, just kind of make your way to the front. Oil's available this morning for those who need it. You know, Jesus is the remedy for sin. If you have sin in your life, He's the remedy for that sin. God doesn't have a problem with sin. Jesus is that remedy. If you need prayer this morning, we want to pray for you. We want to lead you to that place with Jesus. There's oil here in this house this morning, and it's available to you. Hey, before you leave today, if you need prayer, as, just give, it, give us some time, all right? As we close this last song out, just want to allow those who need to come forward to come forward before we all make a, a mad dash for the door. If you've not been through our deliverance classes, or if you've not been through foundations of faith, you've not been water baptized, and you're not involved in a small group, these things are critical to your growth as a Christian, and we want you to get involved with those things. If you can meet our elders back there at the lit tables, they want to explain to you a little bit about all of these programs. Hey, why don't you let Jesus talk to you this, this week? Let Jesus talk through you this week. God bless you as you go. The altars are open. You're free to come and worship if you'd like. God bless you this morning. Bye-bye.